And welcome into 4for4.com's The Most Accurate Podcast. My name is Anthony Stalter, joined as always by John Paulson. And John, we have actual football to discuss. We have actual football that's in front of us on Sunday. I didn't think that we'd be here. How you doing today? Not bad. I mean, not only football, but we had football and there were fans there. So. Which was which was kind of cool to see. I don't know how it was for you, but watching it at home, it didn't feel... And of course, we're talking about... Thursday night's matchup between the Chiefs and Texans, but it felt like every other viewing experience with with the TV broadcast kind of pumping in the sound. It felt like every other NFL game that we've watched before. Yeah, and I don't know how, were they pumping in sound. I don't. I know that they were. Uh, the fans were cheering and booing at certain points of the evening, um, but it looked like they were spaced out. And the only thing that was weird is seeing like the fans. Like the stands sort of empty, like yeah. scattered. It was almost like it was like the announcer said that it was a blowout and the home team right. fans had left early. So Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating to see how this season plays out. But as long as we've got football, as long as people stay healthy, we're gonna be happy. Tell us about the music that brought us in today. Yeah, that's a track um called Where to Start by uh Bully. Um Bully is I think it's just a moniker for a a woman, but maybe it's a band here. I'm looking at it, um, looking at their page, trying to figure it out. Uh, it's, it's fronted by a, a, a young lady and um, great, great track. Uh, it's off their 2020 album, Sugar Egg. And that's all one word, Sugar Egg. Uh, I'll add it to the Most Accurate Podcast uh, playlist on Spotify, which you can find in the show notes. If you haven't signed up for 444.com, you can get a free 444 subscription. If you sign up for Monkey Knife Fight, which is a new daily fantasy site, you just need to be a new Monkey Knife Fight user, and you can deposit $10 into your account after you sign up. The offer is good for a free 444 Classic Pro or DFS subscription, so it's up to a $99 value. This is a no-brainer, assuming you live within the 35 to prove states or Canada. Details can be found at bit.ly slash 444MKF. That's all lowercase. Again, bit, B-I-T, dot L-Y slash 444MKF. Kind of, a again, a no-brainer decision if you're looking for a 444 subscription, you're looking for a great value on that. John, can, I add, can I add something to that? Absolutely. Go ahead. Um, that's also good. If you already have paid for your subscription and you want to take advantage of this offer and you're not a monkey knife fight user yet you can get a, a year added on to your subscription just by doing this so just go through this process check out the the information uh, at the link that anthony gave and then i think you need to email support and say that you'd like a, a year added to your subscription and you'll be covered for 2021 so it's it's really a good deal all right, so throughout the course of the show today, or the podcast, we'll be going over the Chiefs and Texans game. We'll, of course, look at NFL Week 1, some of the pressing injury situations. We'll cover it all, get you ready for your first week in the National Football League for 2020. But, John, I have to ask you, because we talked about it in previous podcasts, how did your draft go with the FFPC main event winner? It was it was good. I actually uh, reached out to him uh, Friday. We picked a draft um, early Monday morning on Labor Day. Uh, I kind of wanted to get it done early in the morning because it was my birthday weekend on uh, last last weekend on the fifth. Uh, so we were it was, just, it was his first snake draft of the year. He'd done multiple auction, auctions. He prefers to play in auction leagues. Uh, and what I really liked about him, his name's Doug, is that he uh, he's from Chicago, so he's a Bears Bears fan. But we still got along all right. <laughs> um, but he was 
this was like his this is his biggest stakes you know this was big stakes for him it wasn't like he was a you know a multiple high stakes type drafter where you know another nineteen hundred dollar entry is no big deal for him he was really excited i guess when he got the information he was shaking a little bit so he was um, really excited to win it and then he and i were texting back and forth we found out our draft position number seven which was actually the same draft position of my earlier main event team so that actually helped us plan and uh, we took kelsey in the first uh aaron jones in the second so that's very that's a very uh common start for me in these ffpc best balls that i've been doing uh deandre hopkins fell to him in the third so he couldn't pass him up there he got aj brown in the fourth so really a great start and so starting with one running back in the first four rounds he was looking at running back in the fifth and uh, we sort of had to settle for uh, Antonio Gibson, uh, but there's some upside there. Uh, and then he decided, since he was a little bit uh, light on running back at that point, he decided to take Zach Moss uh, in the sixth. That's a little bit early, but he uh, trying to shore up the running back position. He took uh, Russell Wilson in the seventh, uh, Mar- Marvin Jones in the eighth, Henry Ruggs in the ninth, which is looking pretty good with the Tyrell Williams injury. Uh, Dallas Goddard as a second tight end in the 10th. And uh, I like that pick because uh, if anything ha- were to happen to Ertz, uh, suddenly you have a top five tight end in Goddard. Uh, in 11, he took uh, Josh Kelly, uh, again, to shore up that running position, running back position. Got John Brown in the 12th, Brandon Ayuk in the 13th. Uh, he took uh, Divine Ozigbo, and we'll talk more about him. I uh, took him in the 14th. Uh, we'll talk more about him before this injury. Uh, a little bit later, Buffalo defense in the 15th, Joe Burrow as the backup quarterback in the 16th, not necessarily draft a backup quarterback, but he wanted to have some upside on the bench and Burrow uh, is definitely upside on the bench. Uh, Curtis Samuel in the 17th round. I thought that was a nice value. Uh, Robbie Gould in the 18th, uh, Miles Boykin in the 19th, and then Devonta Freeman as a flyer in the, in the 20th round. So I think nice. all in all, it turned out, uh, you know, a good draft. I certainly would have been happy with this team. And uh, I'm wishing Doug the best of luck. I think he's going to reach out to me here and there if he has questions. Uh, but uh, we'll see how he does this year. I'm, I'm excited for him. That's a really cool event. Yeah, hopefully Doug does well. Hey, it's it's up to him now to kind of manage the season. It's going to be a weird one, but it sounds like you got him off on the right right foot there, John. And hopefully we'll do something like this again if, if, if people like doing it and if Doug uh, winds up having a good season, which I'm sure he will. Let's talk about Thursday night football. So the Chiefs roll the Houston Texans. Not a huge surprise. The offense for the Chiefs off to a slow start, I guess, in the first eight minutes or so. And then once they got rolling, that was it. Let's talk about the Chiefs backfield situation. We'll start off with kind of snap counts, which are from at PFF underscore Nate Janky. And the Chiefs running backs, of course, were led by Clyde Edwards-Alaire, the first-round rookie. 46 snaps, 25 carries, 138 yards and a touchdown. No catches on two targets for Alaire, but man, he had a great start. He looked shifty, quick, fat, I mean, everything that um, people were talking about with him coming out of LSU. Darrell Williams, 23 snaps on nine touches. He got 30 yards. He also caught two passes on I think he caught two passes on seven targets as a, as a receiver. No, two 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 uh, catches for seven yards. That's what I was wondering. Thank you. Two catches, seven yards as a receiver for Darrell Williams, and then Darwin Thompson goose egg for him. What did you think about the Chiefs running backs, especially Alaire? Yeah, first off, uh, Nate uh, Janky does a great job during the game of of providing the staff counts at halftime. He'll he'll provide them so people can see how. Their, their players are doing as far as playing time. Snap counts are available now at PFR as well. 
Um, and we also have them at four for four, you know, after the game, but it's nice to have some real time information. And so I want to give them a shout out there. Uh, I think from a backfield standpoint, anybody who drafted Edward Hilaire in the first round is feeling fantastic right now. Uh, if they got him in the second or third round, even better. Uh, there were questions about whether or not he would see that sort of workload and what kind of production he would have. But, you know, as we saw in this offense, he's not going to see stack fronts. He's probably not even going to see neutral fronts. He's going to be seeing a lot of uh, pass defenses uh, up lining up against him as he runs, and that's good for him and his production. Um, you know, maybe a little disappointed in his passing game. You know, his role as his receiver, he had the two targets and uh, didn't catch either one of them. Uh, uh, Darrell Williams... Um, Daryl Williams, I don't know if it's Daryl or Daryl, but uh, and it's only his sixth season in the in the league. But uh, classic, classic me there. Anyway, twenty three snaps, nine touches. I was expecting a little bit more. You know, the the beat writers said heading into the game that they would probably split the work, and this is a you know two to one in terms of snaps, but it's almost three to one in terms of touches. So you can see that when Edward Tiller is in there, they're trying to get him the ball, and when Williams is in there, it's not necessarily. Uh, trying to feature, feature him. Uh, I did think it was interesting that Darwin Thompson didn't play at all. Uh, so I think you're looking at the backfield now. Edward Solaire is a, you know going to be an every every week RB1, and, and uh, Williams is probably going to be more of an RB4. Uh, Williams still has some value as you know a handcuff, but it's not like he lit it up in the time that he got the ball uh, and is going to push uh, Edward Solaire for any sort of playing time. All right, let's talk about the wide receivers for the Chiefs. Tyreek Hill, 60 snaps. He caught five passes for 46 yards. And fortunately for Hill owners, he did find the end zone. He was one of the last touchdowns for, for the Chiefs, at least when they're still throwing the ball. Six targets for Tyreek Hill. Nine total targets for Sammy Watkins, who caught seven passes for 82 yards and a touchdown. Yet he was one yard short. Of a of a touchdown, and then you know the Chiefs. It's essentially it's a running play, but they they throw a quick smoke screen, and he goes in for a touchdown. So the Chiefs kind of made up for the fact that he was caught on the one yard line, and he scores. Demarcus Robinson played thirty three snaps, three catches, twenty yards on six targets. McCole Cart McCole Hardman nineteen snaps, one target for him. He caught that one pass for six yards, and then Byron Pringle only six snaps. Finishes with a goose egg. Some some takeaways here from me, John. Watkins targeted nine times. And then Hardman, who I know a lot of people are high on. I don't think you necessarily were, at least for week one. He, he really doesn't do much with his 19 snaps. Yeah, I mean, I think we went into this offseason thinking that they were going to unleash Hardman this year. That was the general consensus from the beat writers and uh, – and all that they looked like they were going to find a new returner and you know have somebody come in and, and take his job as a returner and that would indicate that he's going to be in on wide receiver three sets or as a third receiver on three wide receiver sets um but that just didn't happen at all if you look at last year hardman averaged 13.1 yards per target uh so if like i just look at demarcus robinson's line and it just makes me sad i know he had the drop touchdown um it just makes me sad that he's getting six targets in this offense. Uh, Hardman averaged thirteen point one yards per target last year. So if you if you if you just put his uh, rates uh, on the six targets that Robinson got, he would have posted three point eight catches for seventy nine yards and point eight seven touchdowns. So a lot more productive on average. Hardman, uh, you know, maybe one bad game for Robinson and he deserves it. He's still playing ahead of 
of Hardman, but I just want to read the draft note on him. I mean, I got a question at halftime, you know, John, why were you so high on Miko Hardman this year? And I don't think I was particularly high in terms of draft uh, ranking. Um, I did have him in the forties this uh, tonight. Cause I thought that they would, that they would feature him a little bit more and he'd be playing on, on these sets, but you know, it's a Sammy Watkins show every, every week one, pretty much every year. And then he flashes and then um, it starts to struggle. So, We'll see what happens with him, but I want to read the draft note. Uh, Hardman finished this season, or was uh, finished this season as the 59 number 59 receiver, but most of his production came in the six games that Tyree Kill either missed or played very few snaps. He averaged 1.2 receptions for 28 yards and 0.4 touchdowns on 1.4 targets per game in the 10 games that Hill played full snaps. He added a total of four catches for 29 yards on six targets in three postseason games. The Chiefs restructured. Sammy Watkins deal, so they didn't have to cut him, and also re-signed Demarcus Robinson, who played 70% of the snaps last season. Hardman is going to have, have to leapfrog Watkins and or Robinson on the depth chart in order to become a consistent fantasy threat this season. I didn't think he was going to pass up Watkins in terms of playing time or snaps. I mean, Watkins has the injury uh, bugaboo, so that's the concern with him. But I did think that he would come into this game and play more snaps than Mark Robinson. That just flat out didn't happen. I don't know if it'll continue. Uh, I don't know if Andy Reid will look at Robinson's 33 snaps, six targets, and you know three catches for 20 yards and decide that Hardman deserves more run. Um, but right now, as of heading into next week, I, I won't have Hardman ranked as a fantasy starter unless there's an injury to one of these three. And the nice thing about Hardman owner, you know, for Hardman owners is that they can stash him there are multiple outs for him to, to get to where he needs to be in, in terms of being a fantasy starter. If any one of these three guys gets injured, he's now going to be playing um, 50, 60% of the snaps at least, maybe 70. Uh, and that makes him a fantasy starter. Uh, he could also earn the, the, the snaps and play ahead of Robinson. Uh, and that would be another way for him to have an out and be a fantasy starter. So there, there are a couple of different ways he can do it. And it's multiple receivers that, you know, the injury bug could hit one of them. Um, uh, and also he could just get more playing time because Robinson's uh, disappointing. So bottom line, 29% playing time. That's not going to get it done for Hardman as a starter. All right. Any, any other thoughts on Kansas city before we move on to Houston? Nope. All right. Perfect. Texans backfield, David Johnson, 14 touches, 109 yards and a touchdown. So not a bad debut for David Johnson. He scores the Texans first touchdown. He scores the first touchdown of the 2020 season. Some somewhat poetic considering all the teeth gnashing over that David Johnson for DeAndre Hopkins swap. And look, all that teeth gnashing is justifiably so. Duke Johnson, five carries for 14 yards. Your thoughts on Houston's backfield? Yeah, I think this is what we were expecting with with David Johnson. Uh, they were going to feed him. Uh, Bill O'Brien has to make this trade look look good, uh, and Johnson did make it look good. I think in in the the first game, and you know, fourteen touches is actually a little light. Uh, I thought he'd be seeing more work field, uh, work uh, in that backfield, um, but he got the touchdown. And he got the yardage that he needed to to produce for his fantasy owners. Now the question is, can he stay healthy? They he pulled out. They pulled him out for. Uh, a wrist injury, uh, but I know Duke Johnson missed some snaps as well, so it's just a, a matter of keeping David Johnson healthy for him to return a good value at like third or fourth round uh, ADP. All right, moving on to the Texans receivers. Will Fuller, 47 snaps, eight catches, 112 yards on 10 targets. Randall Cobb, 46 snaps, only targeted three times, only caught two of those passes for 23 yards. Brandon Cooks, 31 snaps, targeted four times. He caught two passes for 20 yards. Kenny Stills held off the stat 
sheet. He was targeted twice, no catches, no yards. And DeAndre Carter, 13 snaps, one catch for eight yards on two targets. Yeah, this is a, a little alarming that they only attempted 32 passes in a game they trailed basically the whole way. Um, but Kansas City just chewed up the clock and just made it impossible for Watson to get to 300 yards you know, passing or, or 40 pass attempts this, this week. So I think the, the thing I'm taking away from this is that Fuller is going to be the number one receiver hands down in this offense. I mean, he basically he tripled Randall Cobb and – you know, two and a half times the targets of Brandon Cooks. Now, Cooks's uh, playing time might have been down a little bit because he had that quad injury and it was, you know, questionable coming into the game. Uh, so maybe his 31 snaps are, are a little bit lower, and you're going to see him more in that 40 range with with Cobb and Fuller. Uh, you know, th- three targets for Cobb that doesn't instill a lot of confidence. I think there's going to be uh, better games for all these guys uh, moving forward because this is a you know running running into the Chiefs week one and. The Chiefs' offense just dominating uh, the playing time or the the time of possession, um, just kind of limited the upside of this offense. But as far as Fuller, I know a lot of people on him sixth, seventh round. Um, if you did, you're in great shape. Uh, but that's not a huge surprise that he came out and had a hundred yard game in Week One. Uh, the, the question is, will he be healthy the entire season? All right, and then moving on to uh, anything. Well, actually, first, let me ask you this, because I asked you this about the Chiefs. Anything else you want to discuss with the Saxons? Yeah, I want to mention Jordan Aikens, because he was somebody I was higher on than average uh, as a you know the leading tight, lead tight end in, in uh, Houston. Some people had Fells there because of his touchdown catches uh, last year. But Aikens, um, you know, he ran the 10th the most routes last year, 390. Uh, he led the Houston tight ends in that category. He was fourth among tight ends in yards after the catch uh, per reception, and he had third. He was third among tight ends in average yards uh, after catch above expectation per NFL Next Gen stats. So he's good when he gets the ball in his hands. I think he made a catch and a, and a, and a nice move uh, last night. Uh, he had two catches for 39 yards and a touchdown on two targets. Now you'd like to see the targets uh, higher, uh, but I did list him as a sneaky start. Uh, on Wednesday, and I just thought he had a, a chance to surprise. He played 81% of the snaps, which is a great sign. Last year, on average, he played 61% of the snaps and didn't pass the 80% mark until week 17, and that and that's when he had five for 54 on seven targets versus Tennessee. He then had a hamstring injury and did not play in the playoffs, so we didn't really see where he was headed in terms of his snaps. Uh, but he's, a, I believe, is a former baseball player, good athlete. Um, and he's their, he's their best tight end. So if you need tight end help, uh, Aikens is your guy. All right, let's move on to some of the news and the injuries that a lot of owners are facing in week one, some of those decisions. Let's start off with Jacksonville's backfield. So you got Leonard Fournette. He's, he was obviously cut. He was signed by the Buccaneers. And then you got Divine Ozigbo placed on injured reserve. They also s- signed Dare and I'll let you handle that that last name because you're going to nail that, uh, John. But Ogunbole. There you Bole. go. Uh, but rookie James Robinson was listed first on the depth chart, and then Thompson is likely the passing down back. What do we know about Robinson? Well, one thing I saw was that he rushed for 4,444 yards and 44 touchdowns in his career at Illinois State. So that immediately, like, through, you know, my mind blew when I saw that stat. I mean, look at all those fours. I mean, we got to pay attention to this guy, right? <laughs> um, he, uh, 
did very well at the Shrine Bowl. Like, so he's a smaller school guy. Everybody had questions about his, you know, level of competition. But he did well at the Shrine Bowl. He had a two big, uh, one big run, one big catch and run. Uh, I linked to their, uh, to his runs in that game. If you go, I did a thread on him. It's uh, bit.ly uh, slash JP on J Rob. Uh, JP on J Rob, and that's all lowercase if you want to check out the tweet on, on Robinson, or you can just search Twitter for it. Um, you know, he's a 4.6 speed, not great, but he's a big dude, 219 pounds, uh, super productive in college, obviously, with the 4,444 yards rushing and 44 touchdowns at Illinois State. Uh, can catch the ball. Uh, in the Shrine Bowl, he, he had a nice run, and then he had a nice catch and run. Uh, showed good uh, ability, to, you know, soft hands, turned up the field, made a couple guys miss, and then broke free. Uh, so the thing that interests me about this is that, you know, depth charts early in the season, just, you know, you don't really trust them. Um, but this was an interesting one because, you know, obviously they, they cut Fournette, and then they, they listed the rookie first, and you don't usually see that. You usually see them, whoever the vet is, they get the veteran nod, so they could have done a Zigbo or Chris Thompson listed them as the number one running back because they typically want to make the rookie earn it and get that respect and win that job. But uh, in this case, they listed Robinson first, so that made me pay attention, look into him a little bit more, and um, try to add him to some of my teams. Uh, so he is definitely you know, heading into week one waivers He's somebody, you know, the Jacksonville backfield is not going to be super productive when it comes to, you know, rushing yards and touchdowns and stuff. But, you know, Leonard Fournette was a solid uh, fantasy asset the last three seasons. And I think Robinson can be something like that. I think Thompson is going to eat into the catches a lot that Fournette saw last year. But Robinson could take over that that main job and be a 200, 250 carry guy. And he also has the ability to catch the ball. So he could be a 20, 30 catch guy as well. And then suddenly you're looking at 250, 270 touches if he stays healthy and just dominates this backfield in terms of carries. So he's somebody you want to add. If you have a spot on the bench, uh, you know, I wouldn't trust him, you know, week one, um, but let's see what he can do. And it certainly looks like he's going to be the RB1 in this backfield. All right, let's move on to Lions wide receiver Kenny Galladay. Lions coach Matt Patricia said that Galladay, who was dealing with a hamstring injury, is day-to-day. He opened the week limited. He was downgraded after missing Thursday's practice. The Lions said they're just being cautious with Galladay. But do you anticipate any issues for Galladay owners? Well, yeah, I think, this, uh, I think today he was um, – was very limited in practice today and uh you know it was early word from ian rapaport uh so is i think he's looking very iffy for for sunday the 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 good thing is is that the lions play early uh you know the 1 p.m game eastern on sunday so owners will have a chance to swap him out but uh i i'm not super confident that he's going to play i wouldn't be surprised if he sat uh we should know more today tomorrow um and have a better idea but if he's out you know marvin jones gets it gets an up uptick uh danny amendola they've got a rookie there i think it's quintus cephas uh apparently it was looking pretty good uh he's more of a slot guy they have marvin hall as well uh so you know this is a downgrade for 
Matt Stafford if if Galladay can't play. I mean, obviously it's his number one weapon in the in the passing game. Uh, so I would think you know Marvin Jones becomes safer and T.J. Hawkinson becomes safer. Okay, let's move on to Cortland Sutton and owners dealing with Sutton injury news. A little bit different spot than Kenny Galladay because the Broncos play on Monday night. He's been diagnosed with a sprained right AC joint and he's day to day. What would be your advice for Sutton owners? Uh, I would be planning not to have him. I think when, one thing you could do is pick up uh, KJ Hamler. He's available on a lot of waiver wires. He's been sitting out of practice, but apparently he's back as of yesterday uh, practicing, so he should be able to play. You know, if he can't, maybe Tim Patrick could could fill in for you on on uh, on Monday night. You know, Corey Davis on the flip side for the Titans is maybe a spot start, but not a great one uh, at that point in the game if you're if you're hoping to pivot uh, on Monday night. But he's got a sprained AC joint. He could play maybe play through it if it's a minor one, but we should hopefully know more. Uh, Sunday morning, whether or not he's expected to play. Moving on to Bucks wide receiver Mike Evans. He did not practice on Thursday. He's nursing a hamstring injury, and he worked with the trainer on an outdoor practice field while the rest of the team practiced indoors, according to beat writer Rick Strode. So he missed the final three games in 2019. He's looking less likely, I would say, to play in week one against the Saints. And don't forget, it's also a pretty tough matchup. Yeah, Ian Rappaport uh, tweeted today that he was at practice and there is optimism that he's okay. So they're going to take that probably all the way to kick off to see if he can go in an important game um, against the Saints. Uh, they play, the tricky thing here is that they play late. They play at 125 uh, Pacific, uh, 425 Eastern. So owners are going to need to prepare for that. There are some other late games there, Chargers, Bengals, uh, Cardinals 49ers, which I just wanted to mention that that game might get postponed or moved because uh, of the air quality uh, in the Bay Area right now. It's uh, it's a possibility that, that game gets uh, postponed. Um, so keep an eye out for information on that. Uh, Cowboys Rams play after, and of course the Steelers Giants and Titans Broncos play on Monday night. So uh, you know you may want to get yourself a option in one of those games uh, on your bench that you can you can uh, swap out you have Evans for one of those players I think for the Bucks right now uh, Scotty Miller is probably the the next guy up uh, in terms of targets you know maybe OJ Howard gets some extra work uh, as well but uh, not a, not a great way to capitalize in, in week one we just don't know the playing time some of these receivers all right moving forward here Deontay Johnson he missed practice as well on Thursday according to Brooke Pryor on Twitter Johnson he missed five days of practice now uh, in late August with a leg injury, and now he's getting some extra extra rest. This is another situation, John, where owners are facing an injured player or having an injured player on the roster for a Monday night game. What's your thoughts on Deontay Johnson? Yeah, I think in uh, in camp he had like a calf injury, a lower leg injury, but this is a foot injury, and maybe it's the same injury because they didn't have to really get go into much detail during camp. Um, so not sure if this is the same thing popping up or something else, but if he's out, uh, James Washington, uh, you know, Chase Claypool are going to see extra targets, uh, against, you know, a nice matchup against the giants. But, um, again, this is a Monday night game. So, uh, owners are going to have to decide probably Sunday morning what they're going to do with Deontay Johnson right now. You just kind of wait and see and and see if there's going to be some more word. I think there's some concern now about, his production, uh, given the time that he missed in camp, uh, you know, he didn't play much with, 
uh, Ben Roethlisberger last season. So, you know, the, the rapport between the two of them is a, is a bit questionable. So now, you know, heading into uh, week one, we just don't know, uh, you know, how well he's going to play with a foot injury and, and uh, uh, you know, a questionable rapport with, with his quarterback. You mentioned the 49ers situation with the Cardinals it might be postponed. The game might be pushed back, but we'll, we'll cover some of the wide receivers for the 49ers. Brandon Ayuk left practice early after suffering an apparent hamstring injury, and Debo Samuel continues to, you know, his situation continues to be up in the air as well. Looks like the 49ers could be thin at the wide receiver position. Yeah, Ayuk has been battling that, that hamstring injury, but he was back uh, yesterday. Uh, Debo Samuel did not practice yesterday, so, you know, Ayuk was limited, and Samuel was a, a, did not practice. So right now I would say that Ayuk has the better chance to play. Uh, Samuel, they may want to hold him out until week two, but, he's, you know, he was back. Uh, you know, he's got that Jones fracture, so I think they're trying to be careful with it. We'll see what, what they do today, uh, the two of them, uh, and whether or not they'll be able to play on – uh, on Sunday, uh, the I think the question with the 49ers is how do they compensate if they're missing both or you know one or both of these guys? Let's say Ayuk uh, plays. I think you see a lot of uh, Kendrick Bourne with him, and then a lot of Jordan Reed uh, since he's healthy right now uh, with with Kittle. So some 12 personnel. Uh, you know the reports were that that Reed uh, you know is ahead of Bourne as a pass catcher, ahead of uh, Taylor as a pass catcher. So. Uh, he's probably going to see a lot of snaps uh, while they have him healthy. Uh, and so he's sort of a sneaky start at the tight end position. Uh, if Ayuk is also out, if they're both out, then, you know, really you got to look at Kendrick Bourne as uh, a pretty good play. Um, but, you know, it's probably going to be Bourne uh, or uh, Kittle, Reed, and Bourne, um, you know, getting most of the targets in the passing game. Maybe you see some Jarek McKinnon as well because he's, he's a good pass catcher. Jalen Rager was a full participant. Thursday. He's been dealing with a shoulder injury. The rookie wideout seems to have a good shot of playing against Washington, though. Do you like him in week one? I'd be a little leery week one. I mean, I'm sort of on Deshaun Jackson like the rest of the fantasy community in week one. Uh, you know, if, if a Rager plays, then uh, it's a little bit of a downgrade for, for Jackson, but I think I'll still have Jackson, uh, you know, ranked ahead of Rager uh, given it's week one. And, you know, Jackson's a very productive player when healthy and right now he's fully healthy playing against his old team he had a giant game against the uh, against the Washington football team last year uh so he's a, he's in a good spot uh Rager I, would, I don't think I would trust in week one unless I was desperate um if he if he produces with this shoulder injury in week one then I think the sky's the limit then for the rest of the season but I'm sort of expecting a quiet game they've got Zach Ertz they've got Dallas Goddard Miles Sanders they got a lot of miles they can feed and and you know you know ease Rager into the into the offense in week one Good news for David Montgomery owners. Looks like the Bears running back is going to be good to go for the Lions game on Sunday. He was upgraded to full in Thursday's practice. He's now fully on track to play against the Lions, and I would imagine that his workload, um, well, I guess we don't know too much about his workload heading into week one, John. Yeah, the full practice was interesting because there was, I believe, an interview prior to it, and he did not sound particularly... um, I don't know, optimistic about it. it. It almost sounded like he was, you know, wanting to get fully healthy. Anytime I hear a player say, well, we, we don't want to rush back. We want to get fully healthy before the return. And um, usually that means they sit that week. Uh, it just sounds, you know, discouraging or sounds negative. But the full practice certainly um, indicates that he's ready to go. So we'll see how he does today. Uh, I'm not particularly high on him if he does play. You know, I don't think he'll see his full complement of touches uh 
you know, he was screaming when he injured his uh, groin. So the the fact that he's even back at this point is pretty surprising. I thought it was going to be like a 48-week injury, and I'm not sure what week we're on, but I don't think it's four yet. So um, that's the question. Uh, if he's out, you're looking at Tariq Cohen probably in a primary role, Ryan Nall, maybe 10 carries. Uh, he's a six-foot-two-inch uh, size speed guy. Um, and then Cordell Patterson has been meeting with the running backs, the Bears running backs, uh, lot, much of this off season and has, you know, I think it was over seven yards per carry in his career. So he could, he could fill in with four or five uh, carries as well. So uh, it's, it's a pretty good matchup against the lions, but you know, it's hard to really gauge any of these guys, uh, you know, touches in terms of uh, with, with, with this, with this injury to Montgomery. All right, back, back with popular demand. Sneaky starts time. It's my favorite part of the podcast yes. each and every week, John. John goes over some sneaky starts, the guys that he likes, uh, guys that probably on Twitter he'll get crushed for because people don't understand that uh, they're sneaky. And if they don't pan out, look, these are kind of your long shot plays, but they're also maybe some some salary savers if you're playing DFS or if you're searching for a guy. And, of course, John, you'll probably get crushed too for, you know, having guys that people don't necessarily consider sneaky so it's always fun either way no matter how you how you slice it sneaky starts on our podcast is always popular right yeah they're never sneaky enough that's why <laughs> i always say sneaky then i'd sneaky like, not sneaky enough yeah, yeah start. let's start off with jimmy Gar- jimmy garoppolo and we've talked a couple of times now about the 49ers cardinals matchup we don't really know the status of that game but let's dive into it jimmy jimmy g coming off his super bowl game and Jimmy G had a better season than people want to give him credit credit for a year ago, and you've got him as one of your quarterbacks for for week one. Yeah, I mean, I was just looking at his matchups against uh, uh, the Cardinals last year. He had four touchdowns in each each of the two games, and uh, a total of seven hundred forty one passing yards uh, with two interceptions. So they were actually his two best fantasy games of the year: twenty eight point nine fantasy points or more in each game. So I think he's a uh, a quality start, uh, assuming this game uh, is played, or if they, you know, maybe they move it to Arizona. I think which would be the smart thing, but I don't know if they, they can do that uh, two days before the, you know, the game's set to kick off. I don't know, would, would they rather uh, do that, or would they rather um, postpone it? I guess we'll see. All right, another quarterback that you like, and this this one's interesting because I feel like, you know, obviously there's more attention being paid to the opposite quarterback because that's number one overall pick, Joe Burrow. But do you like Tyrod Taylor? Chargers and Bengals, a Bengals defense not likely to show a lot of improvement from last season. Yeah, I think this is a nice matchup. Tyrod has been a uh, productive fantasy quarterback when he's started. He was number 15 in 2015 as a starter for the Bills. He was number 8 in 2016, so he's got a top 10 fantasy finish on his resume. Um, The Bengals yielded the second most yards per attempt last year uh, to opposing passers. Uh, you know, I would like him to have a healthy Mike Williams, but he's got Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler in the passing game. I think he's got enough weapons, and I think this game could be, uh, you know, kind of a sneaky shootout. It depends on how well Burrow does against this uh, Charger defense, but um, I think I think uh, Tyrod Taylor will give you, uh, you know, high-end QB2 numbers this week, uh, you know, on the cheap. As we shift over to running backs for your sneaky starts for week one, this one might surprise people, Marlon Mack you have listed as one of your running back sneaky starts. He, of course, is going to have to share some carries with rookie Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, it's week one. Uh, you know, the, Frank Reich has been saying all offseason that Mac is the starter. 
Uh, Taylor is going to come in and spell him. Uh, I think they reiterated that, that uh, Taylor is basically going to be the backup this week. Uh, I don't know if that's going to stick. Uh, you might end up with a 50-50 split, but even if Mac gets 10-12 uh, carries against the the Jaguars, he can you know 60, 50, 60 yards, maybe a touchdown out of that. And uh, you know, week one is not when you need a lot of sneaky starts, but I think he's a cheap play. Uh, if you have him on your bench and you know you're, you're not crazy about your starters, you might be able to get uh, 10, 12, 15 fantasy points out of Mac this week. So Boston Scott is the number two running back behind Miles Sanders right now, but there's some information coming out about Miles Sanders and his hamstring and kind of the usage with Miles Sanders uh, with some interesting comments by by Eagles coach Doug Peterson. So I'm assuming that you don't think, John, that Miles Sanders is going to have necessarily an active role in week one and Boston Scott could see more touches. Well, I think Sanders will be the lead back if if he's active and healthy or relatively healthy. He's been practicing, but I think he's been limited. And then Peterson did say that they would uh, probably manage his workload for the first month of the season. So to you know get him you know up to a hundred percent and get him f- fully going, they don't want to have him have a setback with his hamstring. So Scott is the primary person to lessen his load. I mean, he had a nine to sixteen touch role as the backup to Sanders late last year, and that doesn't even count a big game where he had twenty three or you know, touches or whatever it was uh, when Sanders got injured. I think that was week seventeen. Uh, so even when Sanders was healthy, Scott was seeing nine to sixteen touches uh, per game. So I think uh, you know, in this situation with Sanders coming off the injury, not fully healthy, you might see Scott in double digit touches. Uh, you know, against uh, Washington. A lot of discussion on who is going to be the number two option opposite of Devontae Adams in Green Bay's passing situation. What do you think about Alan Lazard this week? Well, it's a pretty good matchup against Minnesota. Their defense is not what it once was in terms of experience and talent. I think the, you know, Zimmer will have them playing pretty well. Uh, I like the Packers chances, you know, in Minnesota with no fans. I think that helps. Uh, so I think the offense will be decent and uh, Lazard, you know, with a healthy um, Devonte Adams, he averaged 2.9 catches for 41 yards, 0.25 uh, touchdowns on 4.8 targets per game. And, you know, as a young and up-and-coming receiver, he can grow from that. Uh, he's been the clear number two option. Uh, you know, six foot five, twenty-four years old. Um, drew praise from uh, Aaron Rodgers for his uh, approach and uh, the way he, you know, how hard he practices and how much he prepares. So, I think he's a you know a sleeper for 60, 70 yards and a touchdown uh, this week, uh, and he'll be in on two receiver sets, I think. Uh, I guess Marquez Valdez Scantling is had a good camp and is going to be the third receiver there. He's a deep threat. Obviously, he's got four point three something speed. Um, hopefully, he and Aaron Rodgers can connect more on those deep balls because it wasn't pretty last year. Uh, but uh, I think you'll see Lazard and, and Devonte Adams in on two receiver sets, and he's got that upside. I think in a nice matchup indoors against uh, Minnesota. The Raiders listed Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs as starting wide receivers in Week One. And Henry Ruggs certainly the you know drawing a lot of attention because he's he's a rookie first round pick. But you like Brian Edwards this week? Well, I think Edwin Ruggs is a good a good starter uh, a good start this week as well. Um, but Edwards is definitely flying further under the radar. Uh, he just wasn't expected to start the season as the starter. Uh, but Tyrell Williams out for the year. Uh, Edwards had reportedly had a good camp, earned the trust of uh, Derek Carr. Derek Carr made some nice comments about him. He's a playmaker, and he fell in the draft because he was injured. 
uh, but he's fully healthy now and uh, facing the, the Panthers, so I think it's a nice spot for Eric him. Eric Ebron had a nice season last year with, with the Colts, Colts, at least from a touchdown standpoint. He signs with the Steelers in 2020 and looks like he's got a great matchup on Monday night against the Giants, and you include him as one of your tight end sneaky starts. Yeah, Ebron doesn't. He, he's famously doesn't like to block, so that's interesting. I saw multiple beat writers talking about his disdain for blocking, which might limit his, his snap somewhat. But uh, he leads all tight ends and touchdowns over the last two seasons with 16. Uh, I think the, the Steelers brought him in to be a primary red zone target. So you know you might end up with three for 30 and a touchdown from Ebron. Um, but you know the Giants are historically pretty bad against the tight end position. Um, and they just don't have a, a you know big receivers. Uh, I don't know how tall Claypool is, but I think he's fairly big. But uh, you know Washington's not a huge guy. Juju Smith-Schuster's not a big guy. Uh, Deontay Johnson's not a big guy. So uh, Ebron will probably be a, a primary red zone target, and for that reason, I think he's a, a sneaky start against the Giants because the Steelers should score some points. All right, points. we'll wrap things up with Jordan Reed. He's now with the 49ers, and even though George Kittle, of course, is the starter. Uh, in San Francisco at tight end, you list Jordan Reed as a sneaky start as well. Yeah, I don't know that you're starting him in one tight end leagues. I mean, there's a lot of players you could start over him, but if you're in a deeper league or a tight end premium league specifically, like the buzz coming out of camp about Reed, I mean, he's always been a good route runner and a productive fantasy player. Everybody's down on him because he's had multiple concussions and he's you know a threat to miss the rest of the season at any time. So... That is the obviously the downside, but when you look at this from a one-game standpoint, uh, he's definitely startable. He's probably a top 15, in terms of talent and production, top 15 tight end still, and he's playing against the league's worst uh, tight end uh, defending team. I mean, Arizona's always terrible against tight ends, uh, so I think he and Kittle could both uh, get off in this game, and uh, I'm interested to see how many snaps he ends up playing, uh, given the, the issues at receiver there for the, the 49ers. That's John Paulson. You can follow him on Twitter at 4 for 4 which is the number 4, F-O-R, number 4, underscore John. So at 4 for 4 underscore John. You can follow me as well, at Anthony Stalter. And don't forget, if you haven't signed up for 4 for 4 you can get, up, get a free 4 for 4 subscription if you sign up for Monkey Knife Fight, which is a new daily fantasy site. All you have to do is be a new Monkey Knife Fight user and de- deposit $10 into your account after you sign up. Offer is good for a free 4 for 4 Classic Pro or DFS subscription, so that's a $99 value, or it's up to a $99 value. You can get more information bit.ly slash four, which is the number four, F-O-R, number four, M-K-F, bit.ly slash four for four M-K-F, all lowercase on that. Good luck in your week one matchups. We'll see you next week. Hey, Our John, do you have, hey, do you Anthony? have another? Well, just for those that stuck around for your, your, your outro, I wanted to give one more uh, sneaky start. Ooh, a little, a little nugget there. What do, what do they call that? Easter egg or something like that in the movie? Easter egg, nice. yeah. You know, whoever stuck stuck around and you know is listening, Robert Tanyan for the Packers, maybe in a DFS lineup, plug him in there. He's got to be super cheap. Uh, I've named him hashtag Baby Kittle because he he's really good friends with George Kittle. Uh, they trained together the last two off seasons, and apparently he's won the number one tight end job, the starting job for the Packers. Uh, it was going to be Jay Sternberger, everybody thought, but it turned out that uh, Tanyan outplayed him. He's a converted receiver. Uh, he's a little light for the position, but uh, you know, I saw some uh, highlights of him in college. Made multiple one-handed catches, uh, and he's actually you know done quite a bit more as a 
you know, pro than Sternberger has. I mean, Sternberger had one target and uh, dropped it last year as a rookie, but Tanyan had a uh, a big bomb uh, catch against the Seahawks as a rookie and uh, had another touchdown, I think, last year, a 12-yard touchdown. Uh, but he's a big, fast dude, and uh, I'm interested to see him uh, if he you know, gets that 60 70 80% uh, snap share that uh, you're kind of hoping for out of your uh, See, if you wind up winning your, your week one league or DFS game you know, or uh, tournament because of John's Easter egg, this is why you stick through my outro, all right? Some of you turn off my outro. This is why you have to stick with it. All right, thanks, John. Uh, as always, John Paulson, I'm Anthony Stalter. Good luck in week one. We'll see you next week on the 444.com Most Accurate Podcast.